Hallelujah. It is time to hear from God. I want you to talk to God. Lord, this is time to hear from you. Speak to me. This is a special day. Let your word, let it be established in my heart. Continue to talk to God. Father, we want to appreciate you as we go into your word. Father, we can't do anything except through you. We pray, Almighty God, every utterances from here shall come from you in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray that it will be firmly established in the heart of brethren in the mighty name of Jesus and also established in my heart in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Almighty God. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Please be on your seat. Hallelujah. We all know this is Good Friday, right? And there's no way we talk about Friday, Good Friday, talk about Easter. There are some basic things that, that come to mind of everyone. One of those basic things is the arrest and the denial of Jesus Christ. Even the name of Peter has to come. There is no way we can talk about Good Friday without talking about Peter and Judas. Without talking about the soldiers. So today, we'll be talking about the same thing. And then for the next 30 minutes, we'll make it very brief because of the communion. Today we'll be talking about the, the arrest and denial of Jesus Christ. The arrest and the denial. The arrest of Jesus Christ and the denial of Jesus Christ. So you will be able to know whether you yourself you are also denying him from time to time. And this time we talk about the arrest. We talk about the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Peter's name must always come up. Because of the kind of role he played in that, the whole episode. And when you look at it, Peter appeared to be one of the most fascinating figures in the New Testament. He is so prominent among the disciples. He was part of the inner circle of Jesus Christ. That is why sometimes when you hear the story, you'll be shocked that how can he happen to him like that. That is why you also, when you stand, you need to wash it. Because we all knew that Peter was standing on the solid ground. But he failed. He was present at transfiguration of our Lord. He was an eyewitness to many miracles that has happened. To, for you to understand Peter. Peter's denial of Christ is one of the particular heartbreaking in the scripture till today that surprised many people. Even the four gospel, according to the scripture, every one of them talk about this action of uh, Peter. And Jesus also warned Peter that that particular moment will come. Before then, we all know there was Passover. Earlier there was, during the Passover, then there was this argument, I'm the greatest, you are the greatest, no, I'm the greatest. That kind of argument was going on in between them. And they begin to argue to each other. All this one happened before the arrest. So this, as this argument was going on, Jesus Christ asked to intervene and said, in Matthew, we are not going to read that. I just want to mention the scripture. Matthew 20, 26 to 27, when he's saying, the greatest are those that serve. Jesus came as one who serve. So if we genuinely want to be like him, we also have to serve. But the disciples, they were just arguing. I'm the greatest, I'm the greatest. Maybe because Jesus is saying very shortly, I will leave, I will go, I will leave you behind. Then they start fighting who is going to be the next leader. Like that. The argument was going on. So while resolving the issue of resolving this issue of who is the greatest, surprisingly, Jesus suddenly turned to another thing. 
He turned his attention to Peter as the argument was going on. And when you read the scripture, you may not even know why Jesus Christ suddenly turned to Peter. But I want to suggest here, maybe Peter in that argument is putting a very strong argument that after all, I'm closer to him than you. He's putting that kind of argument forward. Then Jesus Christ shifted the attention on him. That look at this one. He is thinking his greatest among them. So at that moment, Jesus Christ warned him. Turn with me to Luke. And let's see what he told Simon Peter. Luke 22, verse 31 to 34. We'll be reading. Simon, Simon, listen. Satan has He cautioned him. Listen. Because if you see the exclamation mark there, Simon, Simon, listen. Yes? Satan has received permission to test all of you. You see? Satan already even went ahead of them and said, okay, they argue, I'm the greatest, I'm the highest at this. He has received what? Permission. Permission. To test you. To test to, each and every one of them. To yes? separate the good from the bad as a farmer separates the wheat from yes. the shaft. To separate the good and the bad. Suppose they are talking about that here. All of us will conclude, yes, after I'm the pastor, I'm giving message here. I must belong to the good. Read on, brother. But I have prayed for you, Simon. Jesus Christ, he prayed. He's also praying for us. Because we can also fall into temptation. He's still praying for us, yes? That your faith will not fail. That is faith. We never fail. Your faith will not fail in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. And when you turn back to me, you must be strengthened. You must strengthen your brothers. Peter answered, Lord, I am ready to go to prison with you oh, and to die with you. What a boastful way. I'm ready to go to prison. That's what Peter said. Somebody talking in this manner means that, yes, he's ready to withstand all circumstances that may come. Read on, brother. I tell you, Peter, Jesus said. Jesus emphasized now. I'm telling you. The roaster will, or the, will crow tonight until you have three times that you do not know me. Three times he will deny. The roaster will never crow. For Peter, for him to have known Jesus Christ, he will have said, oh, this man, many things he has said has come to pass. So I need to believe him. So it is touching that Jesus also let Peter know he has been praying for, not just for him, for his, for his disciples. Concerning you also, Jesus is praying for you. The leadership of Bread of Life, they are praying for you. The leadership of uh, Home Cell, they are praying for you. As a head of your family, you are praying for your family. As a woman of the home, you are praying for your family. The children also are praying. Amen? Amen. So, after hearing Jesus' warning, Peter, in, Peter informed the Lord that I'm fearless. I'm highly courageous. I'm ready, even ready to die, to go to prison. And Jesus responded by getting very specific that before what? The roaster crow tomorrow morning. That he will deny him three times. Now, let's move to the arrest itself. Let's put that aside. Arrest of Jesus Christ. As we all know the story, detachment of children led into the garden by Judas. Judas led them and identified this is the man. And immediately they are trying to arrest Jesus Christ. What happened? Peter jumped in front of them, brought out his sword, caught somebody's ear. In fact, when I was in Sunday school, I remember that I clapped. That is He's very courageous. But see the reaction of Jesus Christ. He wants to prove that I've told you I am going to prison because of you. Because he can be arrested also as he has done that. But maybe, let me guess now, maybe he has chosen the type of person he will attack there. Because if he has attacked a, a very 
fearless uh, soldier, maybe it should have been a different story. But he, he attacked somebody there, we all know. And he cut off the ear. He pulled his sword, yes, cut off the ear. And uh, like I said, as a kid, I was thinking, why did Jesus Christ heal that person immediately? That was my thinking. But Jesus is not looking to it like that. So, Jesus rebuked him. When you read the book of Luke twenty-two fifty-one, 51, we are not going to that. Jesus rebuked him. These are the people that have come to arrest you. Somebody is defending you. And you are rebuking him. You know what? If he has allowed that to happen, the purpose of him coming to this world will not be fulfilled. But it must be fulfilled without anything that can, that can affect it. Suppose he has not done that and uh, Peter is arrested. Maybe his attention might be diverted from the purpose he has come to this work. So, Matthew also tells us that at this point, all the disciples, they scattered, they deserted him. That is in Matthew 26, 56. All of them, they deserted him. They disappeared. So, I want you to think of what Peter will be feeling at this time. He really demonstrated his bravery and courage that yes, I'm capable of doing it, but he was rebuked. He was called by Jesus Christ. How will he feel? Naturally, we say, okay, that is your edict. I'm trying to defend you for you not to be arrested. So, but at the end of the day, they still find their way and Jesus was arrested and they took him away. Now, let's move on to the Peter's denial of Jesus. On this account, I want us to move to the, the book of John this time. John 18, verse 15 to 18. John. And, and Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did the other disciples. Now that the disciples was known, the disciple was known Praise to the, Lord the high priest. Do you see now that Peter was still very, very courageous? He silently followed them. I must know where you are taking him. He silently followed them. Not just him. Read on, brother. And went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door outside. And the other disciples, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to her who kept the door and brought Peter in. Thank you, brother. Hold on there. Now, this is area where we see Wasta. We all know what Wasta means. Right? Maybe I'm not pronouncing it very well. Because even though the identity of the second uh, disciple, John didn't mention of that because he's not seeing that as something very important. Maybe it's even Judas. It might be some of those people that normally follow Jesus Christ wherever he goes. He might be one of them. It might be even be John himself. But John never mentioned the name. Now, it means that place is not where everybody can go in. It is not a place where everybody can go in. And that other disciple knows who is at the gate. If I'm going to a cinema, you know somebody at the gate. I will simply identify, you don't know me, I'm from, from Bread of Life. Yes? I'm pastor there. So, I want to use my connection to get in. The same thing happened here. That disciple know who was at the gate. And he went straight to that person and said, okay, and brought Peter in. Peter is brought into the high priest's courtyard. This is probably a, maybe it's a small area. They are trying to, maybe probably it's a small area. They are trying to restrict the number of people. And also it is a night. And uh, I'm sure that place also will be full of the shoulders, shoulders. So as Peter was going in, one of the servants asked, an innocent question about why Peter is there. Verse 17. Then the girl who kept the door said to Peter, You are not also are you you are not also one of the master's disciples, are you? And he said, I am not. Very simple. I am not. It has gotten to a stage that he doesn't want to identify with Jesus Christ again. Why? Because 
the soldiers that, that they are there, they are not looking friendly. He did not want to be part of it at all. And that lady, that servant, the girl asking the question, may not even mean that she will point out that this is one of them, get rid of him. Innocently, she might have been asking that question. But what did Peter do? Peter decided to deny that I don't know him, that I'm not, I'm not one of them. That is number one. Verse 18. Now the servant and the officers who had made a fire coal stood there, for it was cold. And when they, when they warmed themselves, Peter stood with them and warmed himself. You see, it was very, very cold. And Peter decided that, okay, while the interrogation is going on, let me go and warm myself. Then he, he sat beside them and put his hand in the fire, warming himself. When you look at... When I was preparing this message, I discovered that the way different gospels make it, the way they recorded it is different. But I love the way John make the request because, uh, prepared the gospel because it's like a movie. He will talk about the interrogation going inside. Again, he's talking about uh, Peter. From one scene to another, he presented it in that way. John's account of the event is, like I said, it's like a movie. It's a dramatical presentation. He cut back and fought between Judas, uh, between Jesus and uh, the trial of uh, Peter. Uh, the, between Jesus' trial and Peter' experience in the courtyard. That's how he recorded it. You can read that at your own time. So after first Peter denier, then again John switched to the narrative for what is happening inside. So when you read that book of John 18, between verse 19 to 24 it was what is going on between Jesus Christ and, and his uh, interrogators so while Peter was outside in the court taking the heat from the fire with the people so as accusation you can see the difference here inside in the trial accusation was levied against Jesus Christ he never denied and again, where Peter was, accusation was leveled against him. You are one of them. He denied. Let's move to verse 25 to 27. Now Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. Mm. Therefore they said to him, Yeah, as he was you warming are not, himself right there, they said to him, What? You are not also one of his disciples, are you? Again, are you? What did he say? He denied it and said, I am not. Not me. I am not. Point blank. I am not. I'm not one of them. 26. One of the servants of the high priest and a relative of him who, whose ear Peter cut off said. Ah, this is time for revenge. You have got my relative here. I can identify you. Then what, what was the next thing? Did I not see you in the garden with him? And Peter denied again. Yeah. And immediately the, cock, the rooster crowed. Amen. So you can see he denied three times and immediately what happened? The roster crowed. When you look at the other gospel, other gospel as the, uh, the gospel writers, there are some other things that John did not mention. Mark tells us that the third denier, Peter was cursing and denying every, ever knowing Jesus. He was even denying Cursing himself. Can we read that? Mark 14 verse 71. 71. Then he began to curse and swear. I do not know this man whom you speak. When you have not seen the way the soldier deal with people. You might be thinking you can withstand them. You will confess what you have not done. By force. And that is exactly what is happening to Peter here. He did not want to take any suffer the way they are beating Jesus Christ. In fact, when I watched Passion of Jesus Christ long, some years back, I developed some kind of attitude towards the Jew, I must tell you. This is just film. I just have that mind that how can somebody treat someone like this? Peter saw this. I never know this man. He swear that he never know. This are so, Jesus Christ was with him, right? For Maybe for three years or more, he denied. Luke tells us that 
At that exact moment that Peter denied the Lord for the third time, Jesus was being escorted out. If you read from the book of Luke, you will see that. Jesus was being escorted through the courtyard. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you are talking about. You see, that he doesn't know what he was talking about. Just as he was speaking, the roaster crow, the Lord turned and looked straight. This is in the, in the book of Luke 22, 60 to 62. Man, I don't know what you are talking about. Just as he was speaking, the roaster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord. Lord has spoken to him. Before the roaster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. What a repentant. He repented immediately. Now the question is that how many times have we denied Jesus Christ? We might be thinking I never deny him. Yes. What about denial through your attitude, through your character, through the way you behave? What about those ones? That is also denial. As we watch the denial happening and witness Peter's immediately heartbreaking after realizing what he has done, he was broken and he realized it. And he realized how woefully he has failed. Then, what did he do? He was crying to the Lord. So, Peter failed woefully. Any of us could have done what Peter did. That is true. No doubt about that. So, failure as a disciple does not require exceptional weakness. No. Anybody can be tried by devil. I pray that devil will never try you in the mighty name of Jesus. He will never tempt you in Jesus' name. You don't need extreme character before you can defect from the path. You don't need this. This careful record of Peter's failure is a good reminder for us that temptation can come. How do you intend to, intend to handle that? So we can see Peter's presence at the cross as a failure. He failed. Even though he promised Jesus Christ that I'm ready to go to prison. But he failed. But know that Peter had not always been a failure from the beginning. Even his action when they came to arrest Jesus Christ has proved that he's never a failure. He told Jesus Christ, I'm going to be there for you. And when they, when they arrived, he was there. He brought out his sword. He was ready to fight. So, brethren, most of us who have been disciples for a while can identify with Peter. We know the pain of failure. You know those areas you have failed Jesus Christ. We are celebrating another Easter today. You know those areas that you are failing. You know those areas you are disappointing him. There are three things concerning that failure, which I will quickly talk about here that I believe we can find in that story of Peter. Three things. The shame of the failure itself. That is number one. The shame of our failure. Let me put it that way. The number two is the, the, the sorrow over our failure. And why the number three is the comfort after our failure. Let's speak it one by one. Even though Peter went on to serve God, as we can, as is recorded later. So, that failure has no impact on the life of Peter. He still went ahead to serve Jesus Christ and to serve the kingdom of God, as has been recorded through the scripture. So, God can do similar things in our life. What is that area that you thought you have failed? I want to assure you that Jesus is a forgiving spirit. He will forgive you of every failures in the mighty name of Jesus. So let's pick number one, the shame of our failure. Failure itself is always shameful. When you fail, it's like a, a student. He failed. He will not be eager to give his resort to the father. It's a shameful. It is especially shameful when it is found in someone 
as privileged as Peter. It's a total disappointment. You would think that if anyone could come to Jesus' defense, it would be Peter. Yes, that is what we are, everybody would thinking. But however, Peter made a mistake. He failed. He misjudged the evil because he was told devil is going to tempt him. He has taken permission. Peter has no intention that he's going to fail. His intention was to be faithful to the Lord, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of uh, whatever is going on. But he underestimates devil. Are you underestimating devil? He's like a roaring lion looking for whom to devour. You need to ask for the power of Holy Spirit. So Jesus told Peter, Satan asked for to sieve. Yes, which I have mentioned before. I just jumped that. So, why Jesus Christ was trying to get the attention of Peter? So that Peter will know what is coming on. But Peter ignored the warning. He felt that his own strength is enough for him to defeat the power that rises up against him. Many wise men and women today also, they fall the same situation because they thought their strength is enough. If I'm standing here, I just think that, okay, my power is enough to talk to, to have the opportunity of talking to you. It is not enough. I might be thinking, whatever I have in mind, it can be taken away by devil. Please don't underestimate devil. Those who succeed in discipleship are always mindful, look back, they're mindful of the enemy. They're mindful of the Satan or what he can do. So Peter learned in a very hard way. That is the shame of the failure. In his failure, Peter has mistaken, he, he had a mistaken idea of himself. He overrated himself. Are you overrating yourself? Do you think that you are the you are all in all. Peter could not do all that he thought he could do when that trial time came. Even in the upper room, he was, spoke, he was, he was speaking confidently, in flesh only, that I'm ready to go to jail. But when it happened, he discovered that he has failed woefully. He did not realize that in flesh he could do nothing. That is why in Paul was telling us in Romans 7, 18, say, I know that good does not live in me. That's what Paul was saying. You also have to have this in mind. That is, that is in my human nature, for even though the desire to do good is in me, but I'm not able to do it. Brethren, this is happening to you. At times you will confess in your mind, I'm not going to commit this sin again. I'm not going to do this thing again. But what happened? When you do it, that is the shame of failure. So to succeed as a follower of Christ, you must confess in your heart what Paul is saying. You must know that your, 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 your soul, your mind, your body is just a human nature. That is why you need to continuously ask him for the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit to live in you, to reside in you. Many of us have done unprintable things, some simple things that we cannot even describe, either by our deed or by our action, which we have continued to deny Christ. Because when this thing is related to Jesus Christ, it's as if we are denying Jesus Christ. Praise God. So the second thing that can be seen in the story of Peter is sorrow over our failure. How can you tell if someone is truly sorry for their failure? There will always be, there will always be a true repentance. There will always be a true repentance. You can see Peter was crying immediately. He was crying. He, he felt sorrow for what he has, he felt sorry for what he has done. He know that, yes, he has hurt his Lord Jesus Christ by simply saying, I don't know him. And he has given his word that I'm not going to deny you. Sorrow, he felt bad. Are you feeling bad when you go against the Lord Jesus Christ? When you are doing what you're supposed not to do, how do you see it? 
But the thing that hurt so bad was that he had disowned Christ, but Christ has not disowned him. As the Luke recorded it, even when he was going, Christ looked at him. Not in a way that he will feel bad, that I'm going to redeem you. That I am going to redeem you. I want you also to go and read that gospel of Luke about this. You will understand better what I'm saying. So, Jesus will not deny you no matter what happens. He will keep praying for you. Jesus is not dealing with us the way we are dealing with him. So, Peter, he took a step forward to recover. To recover from that. No wonder Psalm 34 verse 18 says, The Lord, the Lord is yeah, yeah, to those who the Lord is near to those who, dis, who are discouraged. He saves those who are lost of all hope. Peter realized he's wrong and felt sad about, the, about his failure. Our forgiving and compassionate God will always forgive us. But you need to repent. You need to realize that you have done something which cannot be presented before Christ. Which, when presented before Christ, it means you are denying him. So, our forgiving, compassionate God takes note of such sorrow. And it is true, a step toward recovery. When you realize what you have done is wrong, you take a step forward. So that you can recover from that. And the last thing to see in that story of Peter is the comfort after our failure. And what is the comfort? Peter's experience is a good news for every falling, failing disciple. Our failure does not have to be final. I don't know why the area you have failed. It is not final. That's why he has died on cross of Calvary. He has redeemed us. He has redeemed you. So when you fail, we can have the comfort of forgiveness. But you have to repent. You have to realize that what you have done is not correct. What you have done is wrong. You need to have this mind in you. That is when that comfort will come over it. So how do we know that Peter was forgiving? This is how we know. After Jesus rose from dead, he sent a special message to his disciples and instructed the woman who carried the message to deliver it to Peter personally. Our Lord forgive him. Go back to your scripture and read. You will notice that he gave that instruction that they should deliver it to Peter personally. His name was mentioned. So our Lord forgive Peter fully and he will forgive you in those areas you are failing in Jesus' name. Knowing that we have disappointed him make us what? Uncomfortable in his presence because we have disappointed him. All you have to do is that you ask for this forgiveness and he's going to forgive you. So this is what happened to Peter. We read so much about him. He has gospel that he has written also. He recorded the, 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 in the scripture. You can see what he has done. So the lesson from Peter's denial of Jesus Christ, like Peter, it is also easy for us to believe that we are more faithful and courageous. It is very much easy than we truly are. And what is the lesson? It is not until we encounter difficult and challenging moments that we discover the truth. When that difficult time comes, you might have done it before you know. Sometimes, those moments reveal sinful and broken areas we are yet to identify in ourselves. You'll be surprised, can I even do this? Can I behave like this? Brethren, when we fail, there is always a huge temptation to give up. Don't give up. That is the lesson I want you to hold on to. Don't give up. Repent. It's a merciful God. He's going to forgive you. Many people have made tragic decisions. They walk away. They walk away because of simple failure that they have experienced. Walk back to God. He will redeem you. The most important thing is that failure is not final. In the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's not final. 
Jesus is ready to redeem you. He does not want us to let the failure speak the last word in our life. He wants to redeem you. As he did with Peter, so also he will deal in your life. He will heal you of that guiltiness in your heart. He's going to heal you. Like I said, he did it with Peter. He will do it with you in Jesus' name. So, but how are you dealing with your failure? That is much more important. For Peter, a shameful failure became a positive experience as he allows his heart to be broken. You need to allow your heart to be broken. You need to repent. You need to realize you have made that mistake and you ask for forgiveness. You have to repent and you will receive that comfort of forgiveness from Jesus Christ. It also teaches us that when we fail our Lord, he does not just throw us away. Jesus will not throw you away. Just like a prodigal son, when you say you are ready to come back, he will welcome you, he will celebrate you. In Jesus' name. In closing, the good shepherd will not lose one of his sheep. Amen? The what? The good shepherd will not lose one of his sheep. If, if he takes hundred sheep out and one is, has not come back, he will go back to look for it. Jesus Christ will look for you. Don't allow that failure to be the final in your life because the Lord is a good shepherd. May God bless his word and happy Easter celebration. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor, for the wonderful word. I believe that God has blessed us. Let us close our eyes. Thank God for the word, what God has spoken to us. Father, we thank you. Our heart rejoices by hearing your word. Lord, the relationship Peter has with our Lord Jesus Christ and through him, how he dealt with or how he had a relationship with him in all the areas, especially under the title of the arrest and the denial of Jesus Christ, how he behaved. Yes, Lord, we also having a character of Peter's in our life. We are wanted to become a strong in faith, strong in loving him, sharing him. And because of our uh, weaknesses at the same time, we also fail and deny. Father, this should not be our portion in the name of Jesus Christ. As he confessed positively, Lord, help us to be a strong Christian as a follower of Jesus in our life. Yes, Lord, in this day as we meditated on this Good Friday, yes, Lord, the Easter is followed by. Lord, we are waiting for that day. Lord, to celebrate the victory, what you won on the cross. We thank you for it. Thank you for this moment. As we have come to the Lord's prayer, Lord's uh, table, let us prepare ourselves. This Lord's table, something to, as an introduction to all of you. And this is commanded by our Lord Jesus, and it is a celebration, and this is not the new thing, and it is followed from the Old Testament time itself. Those days it is called as a Passover, and even today, as we remember the Good Friday before Jesus Christ was crucified, Jesus had the Passover with his disciples. So it is a very meaningful and a memorable day for us too. So what is the meaning of the Lord's support or the Lord's table or the communion or the breaking of bread? So first of all, it is a memorial. The Passover was memorial 
commemorating or the celebrations of israel's deliverance from egypt through the blood of the lamb on the door post so the suffer is memorial for our lord's death who makes our deliverance from the bondage of sin secondly it is uh, at the present it is a communion the extent to which we share in the body and the blood of the lamb lord as we partake may be uncertain but dare we neglect whatever may the benefits of the communion but what is the future future it reminds us as a proclamation thus the lord's supper looks forward as well as the backward and will ever be observed by his disciples who trust in his redemption and anticipate his return so it shows it reminds us the past the present and also the future how we are going to uh, observe it before that let us read matthew chapter 26 verses from 26 to 28 The Lord's Supper is instituted by our Lord Jesus Christ himself before his crucifixion verse 26 says as they were eating Jesus took bread blessed and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said take eat this is my body then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying drink from it all of you 28 for this is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for many for the remissions of sins so this was instituted by him so how we are going to do this number 1 it should be taken with reverence so this is not just lightly taken we should be taken is a worthy manner secondly it has to be taken with self examinations we should examine ourselves in first corinthians chapter 11 28 says that so in one sense the supper is very private matter between the christian and his or her god a time to reflect on the past to resolve for the future so if we have any unforgiven sin we have to confess before the lord so self examination is one of the criteria for you to take before you take part in this lord's table then it has to be done with other christians of course we are all together this is the commandment we commune not just with the lord alone but also with one another finally it has to be done as often as possible this is what and encouraged by paul in verse chapter 11 25 our spiritual lives are dependent upon the value and the benefits of our lord's death on the cross a weekly observation was followed those days but now because of the situation we take it once in a month so as a conclusion the lost suffer is a very special memorial of his death for our sins secondly the first christians continued steadfastly and we observe it too as it was commanded by our lord jesus christ himself and as a constant reminder as a raw great sacrifice of jesus christ which was paid on the cross for our sins as we know from the beginning and god has been ministering to us through the songs through his word even as even now as we are going to take part in this lord's table so dear children of god this is prepared for the 
Christian, the believers, those who are accepted Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, and they testified or witnessed in the waters of baptism. And uh, those who are prepared and qualified, you are free to come and take part in this. Let's thank the Lord for the bread and wine which kept before us. We say, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day once again. What a great joy it is to celebrate the victory which you won on the cross. And also to do, take part in this table which you prepared for us. To take part in taking the wine and the bread of Father. Which reminds us, your body and your blood. Father, as we take part together, we believe that yes, Lord, indeed it is commanded by you. And also, Lord, we examine ourselves and remember what you have done for us. And also, we will do it in the days to come as a proclamation of your death on the cross on our behalf. And you died for once. But Lord my God, we remember it till our death of Father. Thank you Lord once again. It also reminds us of your coming. Our belief is, it is not with this Easter of Father. We have a great hope that you are going to come. This time Lord, we take this opportunity, Lord, to bless the bread and the wine which kept before us. And as we are going to take parties, let the blessings imported in our lives too. In Jesus' precious name, we offer this prayer. Amen. The ashes will guide you. Please cooperate with him.
that sums up the Good Friday. Our God is great. Our God is great. Forever great. And we have taken, we have been partakers of the blood and body of Christ. And what God is telling us is a new beginning in our lives. It's not by coincidence, it's Good Friday. What God is saying is, as He's there on the cross, whatever is past is past. Whatever is new is new. As we go out this week, it shall be new in your life. It shall be a new beginning. And no better way than to partake of the body of Christ and the blood of Jesus. Welcome to a new season of new beginnings. That's what the Lord is saying. That will go out in His power. Hallelujah. I'll just give you one minute. Wherever you are, whatever you're trusting God in this new beginning, just lift up your voices and say, Lord, I'm here in your house. I want to start afresh with you. I want to give me success in this area. I want you to open doors for me in this area. By the nature of him dying on the cross, nail every affirmity to the cross. Any situation that you have, any health challenge, any difficulty, he has taken it on the cross and he has said, we're starting afresh. So whatever it is, that is your life now. Say, Lord, I nail it to the cross. I nail it to the cross and it shall not be part of me no more. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Father, Lord, we say thank you. We thank you for dying for us. We thank you for this wonderful service in which we have met you. We have met you today, Father Lord. We thank you, Lord, because it shall be a new beginning in our lives. We thank you for the gift of your Son. We thank you for shedding of the blood in which we can be whole again. Purify us as you have done over 2,000 years ago. Thank you for the pathway to salvation. Thank you, Lord, because we can count ourselves as being your children. Thank you, Father Lord. We ask that you be glorified. As we go out this week, we go out in your power. Not in our own strength, but your strength alone will guide us and will help us to reach our destiny in you. Thank you, Father Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Before we share the grace, just a reminder. Sunday, let's be here. Let's round it up with a victorious service. Six o'clock in the morning. It's not too much to wake up on 5 a.m. People ran to the tomb on that day. Are you running to the tomb? To see the door rolled open. To receive a message that day. Please, 6 o'clock, will you be here? Just wave to me, please. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. From here, you can pass to work if you need to work. But for me, that's the victory lap. So let's be here 6 by 7.30, 1 hour, 30 minutes. No, sorry. I'll be corrected. Not here. The next building. Old, 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 old hall. The, the next building there. Please come. One hour, 30 minutes will be done. And God bless you. Come. Our first timers, please. Welcoming team by this side. Just meet for them five minutes and they'll, they'll tell you more about the church. Let's share the grace and fellowship. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen. Surely, God's goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives. And we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Forever and ever. Have a blessed Friday ahead. God bless you.